Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the leftist podcast dedicated to the reevaluation of your favorite crappy films. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And folks, uh, this is a continuation of our Pulp Month. Um, Hell yeah. This is also a special Valentine's Day episode. Hell yeah. And uh, joining us for this special Valentine's Day episode is uh, my wife, Katie. Hello, Katie. Hi, everyone. Uh, so I have my two wives here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. It's, it's... I have my uh, real wife and my podcast wife. Uh... Yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a big missed situation. <laughs> There's a love triangle, just like there is in this actual film. Oh, that oh. is very good. That's very appropriate. <laughs> um, Katie, what what movie are we re- re- uh, talking about? And kind of. Um, appreciating today <laughs> yeah uh i've been actually trying to get lewis to do this episode for a long time this is the 2004 phantom of the opera starring gerard butler as eric the phantom emmy rossum as christine daye and patrick wilson as raul de chagny yeah um i don't know maybe lewis you could do this but like at a at a cool um musical cue of the of the phantom <laughs> theme right there <laughs> okay i can do that Pretty infamous, uh, very, very Joel Schumachery, very, very campy, um, based on the Andrew Lloyd Webber 86 musical, um, which in turn is is based on the uh, the French novel by Gaston Leroux, <clears throat> which is very pulpy, and that's the tie-in to this theme, to this month's theme, um, the Phantom, Le Phantom de l'Opera, <laughs> <laughs> putting those seven years of French uh, classes to work. Um, it was first published as a serialized um, story in Le Gualo newspaper from September 1909 to January 1910. Yeah, so I have not read the book. I have not seen the musical either. Mm. Um, I had read the book, God, when I was like 15. So I actually probably read around when this movie came out. Um, damn. That, that, that's probably why I picked it up because I, it was probably being pushed really hard at a Barnes & Noble because of the movie uh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, for sure for sure um, but yeah I, I had never seen this movie i'd never seen this the stage play i had never seen the lon cheney version either yeah um so and this movie um has a special place in katie's life actually uh do you want to talk a little bit about that katie sure yeah i saw this movie when i was in high school and i was sort of like peak like 15 years old or something um perfect age for like the melodrama and the campiness and yes. i had not heard even really listened to the soundtrack apart from like two songs of the musical i didn't know anything about the book i didn't know anything so all like the musical fans that were really disappointed by the movie and complained about it i only knew the movie and me and my friends got intensely obsessed with it and we watched it like 30 times and we did this thing where we figured out every other movie that we could find that had any of the actors also in it so we would have these movie nights where we would just watch other movies that had emmy rossum or gerard butler or patrick wilson in it so we actually watched (laughs) that like dragon movie because gerard butler was in it and we watched song catcher with emmy rossum and the uh, the alamo movie with because patrick wilson was in it yeah i think it's like one of his first movies actually yeah so yeah, we got like super obsessed with it, and um, uh, like we I, did, we knew it wasn't like a great movie, but it just like hit all of the right notes of like a perfect movie for us to get obsessed with. I was thinking the same thing because I I would have been right around the same age when this movie came out, and um, 
I, I would have definitely really appreciated all those same elements, like the the gothic romance, the the cool outfits that Eric wears, the the sets and everything. Um, His costumes are so good; like those still hold up. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, so rounding out the cast, as Katie said, we have the uh, main three. And then um, in supporting roles, we have Miranda Richardson, who some of you might know from The Crying Game uh, <laughs> or like other movies. Uh, and like but... literally me and Lewis just watched The Crying Game and Miranda Richardson walked out and I was like, oh, she's in fan of the opera. Like, that's how I know all these people. <laughs> uh, so she plays Madame Jury. Is that how we say it? Yep. Jury. Jury. Yeah. Jury. Yeah. Um, so like the the madam of the opera house uh, we have mini driver uh from that movie where she has a heart transplant uh <laughs> what movie is that lewis it's her and david duchovny and it's also like a, a great romantic movie. comedy yeah what's it called shoot uh return to me return to me yes Damn. um so she plays the diva carlotta uh, then we just have a bunch of, bunch of random people: Simon Callow, uh, Siren Hines, who actually he uh, plays re- returning champion, Procon champion Siren yes. Hines, because he plays Steppenwolf. That's right, he <laughs> plays Steppenwolf, and he also plays the um, demon Mistopheles, maybe in Me- Ghost yeah, Rider Me- Two. Mephistopheles, he does. Yeah. So he he that that will round out his uh, three his three yeah. appearances. Yeah, be his three feet once we do that. Um, and then so we have Victor McGuire, Jennifer Ellison. Murray Melvin, uh, Kevin McNally. Uh, he's actually from the Pirates movies. Um, like the Johnny Depp Pirates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like that. He's the captain of their ship. He plays the same character in this as he is in Pirates. Basically, this is like, it was like he stopped being a pirate to work in the Opera House. <laughs> yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Nice. Just like a, sw- a salty, swarthy kind of guy. Drunken that's guy. Great. Yeah, that's yeah. the same role. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then uh, Ramin Kiramalu as the oh wait I don't even know if we see that character. Yeah, that's <laughs> your dad. I think he's just in a picture. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> there's no flashback that even has him. That's amazing. I and you, and you also didn't mention James Fleet, but I mean, oh yeah, James Fleet. Whatever. I don't even know who that character. Is on have, whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter. Uh, but <laughs> so that's the cast, folks. Uh, who really quick? Who's the shorter of the two owners um because he looks he really looks like mel brooks from Spaceballs. he does <laughs> that's simon callow who plays okay. uh andre okay yeah yeah yeah. yeah he, um, siren hines plays Furman. yeah um so yeah this movie it wasn't it, it was a box office success it made 154.6 million against its budget of 80 million um the the critical cons- and audience consensus diverged quite sharply, fittingly yeah. enough, for, <laughs> for a movie that we review. Uh, 33% on the tomato meter, 84% audience score tomato meter, um, which I, I can see. I can see a lot of people having um, fond memories of this of this thing, just like Katie does, just like I, I would have. And I can see critics not liking, not appreciating it nearly as yeah, much. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, just like the people who are fans of the musical, I that's think a, yeah, like, they'll just eat thing. it up because it's another adaptation of the thing they love. So, and that's kind of like um, that, that's kind of like a built-in advantage that a lot of musical adaptations have. Like we saw that recently with Cats, I believe. Mm. Um, th- that's just a, a built-in audience, at, at least that will make it not a complete flop. Yeah. Also, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah he's um he's, he's a fascinating figure i'm not like super knowledgeable about him but i have some friends who are into theater and he's just i, I guess divisive is how i'd put it hmm oh yeah interesting all right well i i mean i only know like the film versions of any of his musicals so um he did evita i think I know the film version. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we do have a section here of a Boston Globe review. Uh, nice Boston um, by Wesley Morris. Uh, Morris writes, the Phantom of the Opera isn't enjoyable as a love story, and it's not especially moving as a tragedy. It should be noted that Lloyd Webber in his stage adaptation took the gothic parody out of Gaston Leroux's 1911 book and whipped it into straight faced soap opera, which works in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Morris goes on, Schumacher's film is, at times, unintentionally entertaining, as its tone shifts from ridiculous to overwrought. There are moments when the movie seems desperate to approach the lyric surrealism of Emmerich Pressburger in Michael Powell's The Red Shoes, in Jean Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast, the foulness of Dario Argento's own Faustian Phantom adaptation, or at least the insanity of Brian De Palma's The Phantom of the Paradise. Hell yes. That's why I, that's why I use this review. Yes. <laughs> Uh, just to close the section out, but Schumacher's movie is never sexy or delirious enough. At one point, Raul says about the Phantom, clearly, Madame Geary, genius has turned to madness. This movie shows flashes of neither. Oh, this. I think it shows plenty of madness. I d- it's very bold to say that the movie is never sexy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Gerard Butler and Emmy Rossum are both, they're, they have a lot of, they have a lot more passion than like Patrick Wilson does. <laughs> yeah there's nothing there i would like to point out though that emmy rossum is like a wee babe in this movie which i think hurt any of like the chemistry that they were going for like she turned 18 the year the movie came out so i think they filmed it when she was like 17 and andrew lloyd weber cast her when she was like 16 i think i got that on the internet so that might not be accurate but um i'm sure that's all real though it's it sounds yeah that that sounds sounds cohesive that sounds true (laughs) <laughs> so like she probably fell under like child labor laws then while I this was so. actually being filmed <laughs> like if she was below the age of 18 she probably had to like only be able to film certain hours of the day and yeah i bet they had to put ton of stand-ins for certain stuff like geez yeah that must make it hard to film i don't even know why people do that besides like being skeezy i don't know <laughs> doing but, some like quick... Joe schumacher's gay so it's not his skis it's someone it's else's. Andrew Lloyd it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's Andrew Lloyd Webber. And doing some quick off-the-cuff math, uh, Gerard Butler was 34. Oh, gross. So, so it kind of it kind of puts a damper on the scenes when they're like rubbing up against each other. Yeah, um, I will yeah. say, as again, as an obsessive teenager watching it, there are multiple times where he puts his hands over her hands, and then she just feels herself up, which is weird, but probably better than the alternative. That may have been the union compromise to like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Actually, like, filmable. She, she can make out with this thirty-five-year-old, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess the groping is too much. Seg after says, <laughs> I guess this is the good segue into the loathsome content because yeah. um, that that's certainly uh, so definitely everything we just said that yes. falls under it. In uh... going off of this, um, how about Gerard Butler singing? Oh, oh. Jesus. <laughs> What Gerard Butler has is he has emotion, and he's yeah. able to growl words with a lot of emotion and trying to hide a Scottish accent. And with that, uh, he also he he can't sing though. He can't sing to save his life. It's pretty embarrassing. 
Um, yeah, I, I was getting heavy um, Russell Crowe vibes from Les Mis. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. And, <laughs> That's what we'll I, have to do. That's yeah. a, I really, I'm looking forward to that. It's like, if I just act hard enough. <laughs> I get this quote from Wikipedia. Um, Rossum, Wilson, and Driver had singing experience, but Butler had none and was provided <laughs> with music lessons prior to his filming. <laughs> it's like he, he wasn't particularly big. This was before 300. Um, this was, yeah. So yeah. Like, and, and like that was what really made him popular in, like, to the average film goer. So like, I, I'm kind of mystified why they picked him. Well, we were doing some research. It was in, he was in the film Dracula 2000. Or 3,000, whatever the no, fuck. It's 2,000. Is it 2,000? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, and that was it. Like, he played Dracula in Dracula 2000, and they were like, that's good enough for us. Yeah, that's so weird. Did, um, I'm browsing his Wikipedia page. Did he have, like, a lot of stage experience or something? Um, I don't think so. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, not, not really. Yeah. No, cool. I mean, he like, was in a ton of movies before this, him. but... <laughs> So Dracula, I think, was the only leading role. Um, he was in, like, one of the Bond movies in the background. He um, was the funny Scottish guy in that Reign of Fire movie. Yes. <laughs> that yes. was That's what we watched. Yes. <laughs> the dragon movie. Yeah, that was yes. kind of it before this, those two. So. He he was in um, the, the Angelina Jolie, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider movie. That's right. Yes. Yeah, he does the a pull-up on the top of the prison that he's in in that, again. Saw yeah. that when I was 16. Made an impression. <laughs> <laughs> he was all, he was also in the um the timeline movie, which is an adaptation of the Michael Crichton book. The, that was the a year before back this. Time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was right, right before this. Amazing. Yeah. All of this just really, I think he should <laughs> sing a very complex part in an yeah. opera movie. I think that fits perfectly. <laughs> Not only like a musical, an opera, right? Like that's there's a difference between these two mediums, and there's like enough of a difference that it. it it makes it harder for someone like, like Gerard well, this, Butler. I mean, Fan yeah. of the Opera is famously a musical that's pretending to be an opera. It's not really an yes. opera, but yeah. it has elements of it. <laughs> yeah. And one of those elements, which I think is uh, one of the worst parts of its translation to screen, is a word I learned today uh, <laughs> called recessative. Um, so that's like, uh, as uh, well, I'll just read from a description from uh, uh, Webster's Dictionary here. Uh, a rhythmically free vocal style that imitates the natural inflections of speech and that is used for dialogue and narrative in operas and oratorios. Mm-hmm. Um, so anytime there's speak singing, basically, um, that's recessative. And Butler's fucking awful at it. Like, <laughs> Rossum's fine at it and Wilson's yeah. okay at it. Yeah. But, like, Butler is struggling. There's a couple scenes where it's, like, I think they're supposed to be speak singing, but then they just go to speaking in rhyme for some reason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It just kind of, like, devolves as the sentence goes on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that, um, yeah, also is a very weak weak part of it. <laughs> another thing, um, specifically with Minnie Driver, when she she's playing the prima donna character, Carlotta, um, when when she's introduced, like the audience is supposed to be told that she's not a good singer as opposed to Christine. <laughs> so she sings very high pitched and it's like, it's, it's weird. Cause like it's technically proficient singing, yeah. but like it's, it's really like the pitch is off and it's like done really goofy. It's almost like a cartoon. Um, and it, it's <laughs> yeah. like that element that, that telegraphs to like the average movie goer, like, Oh, 
she's a bad singer. She's not really good. Wait, 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 wait for the real star. And they literally even cut to like the two ladies cleaning the theater and they like show them like stuffing cloth in their ears. Like here, dumb audience, this is bad. This is how you know it's bad. It was like a Bugs Bunny cartoon when he's like at the opera. Like that's what I... Because again, like I listen to it. I don't have an ear for these things. And I'm like, she seems fine. She's better than me. I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Emmy Rossum doesn't do like all the crazy vocal stuff that the original Christine in the play could do, which right. I remember started some sort of drama about it. But I think Emmy Rossum has a lovely voice. I really can't. I can't speak on that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think she does, too. Um, and for that matter, I guess I guess I think Minnie Driver does, too. I don't really get why Carlotta was supposed to be <laughs> supposed to be bad. Um, well, I think actually there was another um, singer who dubbed a lot of Carlotta's singing. Yeah. So, I mean, no, I'm I not think, sure. I think like, Minnie Driver was the only one who didn't do her own singing. And yeah. they should have done that with Gerard Butler as well. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. exactly. I don't like they had the wherewithal to do it for her. Like, why wouldn't they do it for Butler? I mean, I guess because he sings more. And that yeah, would like more. Could probably cost more to do all that ADR, um, but still, like I don't know, just they'd cast like Hugh Jackman then. Like I mean, that's what they wanted to do. I think he had some conflicts, like some schedule conflicts. Maybe this the X Men movies or X Men Three: The Last Stand. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get the the less bad part about this this film that really got to me was a lot of the CGI was really wonky. Um, like really, really dated. There's there's the one part where Christine is walking to Eric in the mirror, um, and some of the effects are really off. And when, oh, what's the other one? Oh yeah, when um at the end when Eric smashes when he smashes the mirror and he escapes through the passageway, just like the smash of the mirror, it looked really oh, bad yes. yeah. even for 2004 mm-hmm. yeah because the camera is behind the mirror yeah and they yeah. actually didn't smash a real mirror they just have a cgi smash of a mirror yeah yes yeah it looked like something i could do in like iMovie. <laughs> nice yeah but yeah that's it besides that i love this movie yeah <laughs> it's fun it's fun um mm-hmm. i mean i i'm glad joel schumacher directed it um yeah Joel Schumacher might not be because like I don't think he does another big budget film after this like I think he just does really small stuff after this I think this I don't want to say this killed his career but I mean it didn't help especially after the Batman movies he did that movie in 2007 the number 23 with Jim Carrey yes okay so that Uh, might be the last of his big budget films then that might have killed his career (laughs) he released a movie in 2000 two movies in 2011 well, one, one was a short called Man in the Mirror. Man in the Mirror, just like Eric. Oh. And then one was called Trespass. Um, but yeah, ever since then, he hasn't done a lot of stuff. Uh, he I think did that he, one movie that um, 50 Cent had to like lose a ton of weight for. Because um, like 50 Cent's character like dies of cancer in the movie. So like 50 I, Cent had to like get like emaciated for the film. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that's called also, 12. I think that's what it's called. But yeah, he's also really old. He's like 80 now, so it's not a surprise that he's not doing much right anymore. Mm. But um, yeah, so the story of the Phantom of the Opera, it's a pretty pretty well-known, um, kind of similar to Tarzan. People know the broad strokes. Um, there's an opera house in Paris, and there's a phantom who lives beneath it, and he gets up to all sorts of mischief and, and hijinks. And, um, <laughs> Drops a chandelier. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting that this... 
this adaptation it starts off as a frame story um <laughs> and yeah. boy does it yeah it's we we meet an aged um raul he's he's kind of like he's he's really old he's in a wheelchair he needs he needs assistance to to get around and to live and in, in every, in everything um and he returns to the site of the ruined opera house uh where where a bunch of um i think the year was 1919 yeah um yeah. a bunch of paris's like rich rich bougie people are, are just bidding on on the artifacts from the opera house and when and when um Raoul sees this monkey this wind-up monkey with symbols and like music box thing he bids on that and then that kicks off the swelling score and like we <laughs> we're whisked back into the past as the opera house is reconstructed before our eyes yeah. in some wonderful 2004 cgi you know it wasn't <laughs> terrible there honestly no, it wasn't, like, it wasn't, i thought that effect was decent yeah um like and, and I think with like the, the heavy like uh, you know, organ and all of that stuff. I thought that was pretty exciting. Yeah. I I always like wondered why they put such an emphasis on the monkey <laughs> as the thing that he bits on as yeah. like such like the central theme is this monkey, which like I guess they sort of explain it when they go back and um the phantom whatever he like builds it as a child when he's like being abused but like why would raul go buy why would he buy that monkey i don't understand why raul has like a sentimental attachment to that monkey yeah i, th- I think the the idea of the the sentimental value to eric is um like he he was a circus freak and so he had and it was this thing that he carried from his childhood so i guess he identified with it but i don't know where raul would would care about <laughs> it yeah. like this is the guy who tried to steal my wife and like lived in a sewer pining after my wife for 50 years i think i need that monkey i just don't understand that yeah maybe he wants to burn it (laughs) (laughs) wants to destroy it well he puts it on his wife's grave yeah that's the weirdest part of that yeah he he puts it on the grave and then after the credits roll a few seconds later he stomps on it (laughs) (laughs) on christine's grave I win. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's the after credit stinger. You have to you have to watch to the end of the extended gothic literary universe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the frame story. I thought this was cool. The 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 present day um, of rule or quote unquote present day of him walking around remembering things. It's shot in black and white and really grainy, um, kind of like this affected old timey film strip. But when we return to his memories, when the all the all the action of the of the phantoms hijinks and everything, it's it's all in color and very very lushly lit. Um, very very simple effect, but it very effective. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, if you have to do a frame story, like at least make it somewhat visually interesting. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it it wasn't bad, and like. I don't know the first few shots like of the frame story are pretty good even like um they focus on like specific details of raul like getting into his chair and then they focus on you know the the kind of destroyed exterior of the opera house and then when you get into the opera house the lighting's pretty cool it's kind of like there's like it's it's a uh, the sun drenched interior through like some of the broken windows and stuff like you know it was it was pretty cool like it's just weird i mean i guess it's in the book maybe not i don't know (laughs) the book um the book is pretty it's it's told chronologically um from what i can remember we we do get like there's a character in the book i can get into this a little bit later that's completely absent from this adaptation um and as far as we know most adaptations called the persian and he he tells some of eric's past uh, eric is the phantom um but yeah for the most part it's just like a straight straight um chronologically told story 
I do. I always laugh every time I watch the movie because they make such a big deal about in the 1919 Raul like is so old and weak and can't walk and then when they cut back to Raul in the flashback he's like standing up all cocky in this like carriage with his like terrible hair like blowing (laughs) in the wind and that always kills me every time (laughs) yeah um Oh, and who who is that other woman that Rule recognizes in the well, present we day? We were discussing that because I have I've, no idea. I sort of always assumed it was like Madame Giry, the older woman, but she would probably yeah. be dead at that point. It's probably her daughter who is Meg? about the same age as Raoul, but I, yeah. it's unclear to me. Wait, yeah, at the end, I, it was like maybe it's Meg actually, but she looked a lot like Miranda Richardson. Well, maybe maybe the idea is that Meg grew up to resemble her mother. Yeah, I guess it's possible. It was just weird and kind of awkward. That was the weirdest part of it, honestly. Maybe it's Carlotta. Oh. <laughs> just... Bring Carlotta back. Yes. <laughs> Justice for Carlotta. Give Carlotta a Gundam. <laughs> um, but yeah, Patrick Wilson, um, when when he's like young role, he, he's like really the first one that we meet. Um of the, of the main trio he he's the he's the rich fail son whose family is um keeping this this opera house afloat basically yeah he's the the patron of yeah. the opera house uh what is, what is his title he's like a viscount vicomte i vicomte? think yeah whatever i don't fucking know yeah it's... uh it's what uh tarzan is actually in the books nice yeah <laughs> yeah they don't call him that in the movie um, but he is a vicon or whatever in the in the books. <laughs> this really is the uh, gothic pulp like cinematic universe here. Mm-hmm. He he's a vicomte, which apparently is a is a vis viscount. Yeah, yeah. Um, so viscount is what Tarzan is. Also, um, I'm just looking at uh, Roll's Wikipedia page. It lists one of his occupations as police officer. Oh, oh Raul, shit. Like, Raul, Raul's a fucking cop. favorite character solidified right there. Yeah. Yes. Not he's an aristocrat and a cop. Like, yeah. seriously. <laughs> the worst combination Damn. ever. <laughs> yep. Sorry, buddy. That That's it for you. Yeah. Damn. So I really, I've seen one of I'm, the old films, maybe, I guess, the Lon Chaney film. Um, and I was under the impression that the Phantom... Uh, is trying to get revenge on people because like someone threw like acid in his face. Is that like, uh, no. that's obviously not in this film, and nor is <laughs> it in the book. You're, th- you're thinking of Two Face. <laughs> I mean, yes, it is basically Two Face, but like, I swear there's some adaptations of the Phantom of the Opera story that tell it like he's getting revenge because like they like scarred his face. Although you're, like it's obvious. You're also thinking Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah, Phantom <laughs> of the Paradise does that, and like I don't know, maybe like the Wishbone retelling. I can't remember like what it is. Um, and I don't want to look it up because that'll be too much, you know, uh, just ad hoc research. But that's like that was I was under the impression that that's what it was, not like a birth defect. So I was like, what the fuck when that happened in this in this movie? No, it, it's totally Phantom of the Paradise is what you're thinking of. I guess so. That's most yeah. likely it, I guess. <laughs> um, But yeah, we're and I'm kind of surprised that this movie kept this like the the introduction of the new owners of the opera um like like transferring ownership and then introducing rule like that 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 part was i don't want to say it was long and overdone but like, it was fucking long though. it was long a and lot happens too like a lot of incredibly important like plot moments happen yeah at once yeah <laughs> it's like it's the first um, maybe 20 minutes of that movie is them practicing 
um, her like uh, Aria, and yep. then like all that other backstage stuff happening. Just a lot of stuff that like the average dumb moviegoer wouldn't comprehend or pick up on or even like remember half an <laughs> hour later. It's like the owner's leaving. He's being replaced by two new owners. They also have a new uh, pa- patron who has some weird pa- background with one of the random background dancers. Meanwhile, everybody's <laughs> ogling the background dancers, which makes Carlotta so mad that she quits, which is like really <laughs> important, like incredibly important to the plot. But it's like blink and you miss it in yep. what was also an otherwise very long scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, I um, love long scenes, but at some point I was like, this one is just trying to do too much. Oh, and they introduce the Phantom? Like, he has to pay the Phantom's, like, bill (laughs) or whatever? Like, everything happens in that scene. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it's, like, trying to cram too much into one scene is not a good excuse for a long scene. Um, So, yeah, that, that that was quite unfortunate. But it has some of the coolest background stuff, like the cool... Hannibal elephant with like the people in it and like showing how the theater runs like there's a lot I like about it too I also really like the the first like it's even a little bit before this but when we first are introduced to the opera house um and and the main theme is like swelling and just like bombastic blaring over the speakers like um we like the camera runs through like the 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 back the backdrop and the back set of the opera house and like we see all the people working and preparing and like putting on makeup and Mm -hmm. and stretching and, and singing um yeah it was just very the set feels awesome it's it feels very real and very like big and they they take enough time to like focus on the performers and like like we said the the two women who are like cleaning the opera house like they take enough time Mm. to focus on like those people doing like little jobs even like when raul comes like they focus on the two like uh stable hands who like take his horse you know like it's it's just it's it's a small detail, but, like, it's kind of cool. I'm not saying, like, Joel Schumacher is, like, you know, a secret proletarian, uh, <laughs> but, like, you know, whatever. Um, so what happens next? Like, the, Yeah, like... so, yeah, Carlotta quits. Yes. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, this random ballerina can do the, perform the aria, and Emmy Rossum starts singing the aria, and then it cuts, and she's the star. Like... You would think that Carlotta would have returned before that point, before, like, some random ballerina steals her job, but no. And then somehow this was all planned by the Phantom, and the Phantom decides that this is going to be the night that he, uh, because he's been, they hint that he's been teaching uh, Christine. He's her great tutor. Mm -hmm. That's a secret that she doesn't know his name, but she has some tutor that she doesn't know his name that's making her an amazing opera singer. Uh, And uh, he, after she performs... Um, in that evening's opera, uh, the Phantom decides he's going to take her to his weird dungeon lair. And also yes. Raul remembers her as the girl that he was in love with when they were children, which there's like, they're supposed to remember it, the characters are, but the audience doesn't see any of that. So like, there really isn't much of like, unless you just think Patrick Wilson is super hot, there's really not much that's making you like him yeah. in this moment as a character. Um, but yeah, so they both like, try to anyway Raul's gonna take her out to dinner and then she's like oh no my teacher is strict my weird ghost teacher (laughs) (laughs) and then the phantom shows up in a spooky mirror and takes her into the tunnels (laughs) um 
I do like how there's that scene of the ballerinas like gushing over how hot Patrick Wilson is. They're like, he's so handsome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- so there's that. And um, I also it's like I trying do... to convince the audience there. It's like, <laughs> it's you're supposed like... to like him. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. See, these ladies think he's attractive. These <laughs> Um, I do like um, Christine's little chapel practice area. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, with the stained gra- with the stained glass window of the angel behind it, because um, one of the things Eric is one of the ways Eric is portrayed is as the angel of music. Uh, that that's how Christine calls him. So like she's kind of delusional at the beginning. Like she <laughs> believes in like the level this... of like brain control that Eric has over her has always been yes. sort of vague to me. Because like sometimes it seems like they're just implying that she thinks he's the ghost of her dad or like the angel that her dad sent her to make her, her a, tra- yeah. a strong musician. Um, but then sometimes it's like no, she's like literally like she just walked through a mirror and she's seeing crazy gold arms and like a horse and all of this stuff, <laughs> which you then see later is not actually there so like that's i love that crazy part. like lens that she's wearing like it's not yeah. like rose colored glasses it's like she's full-on delusional or like he's yeah. hypnotized her in some way yeah i wish the film would just like play that up though I, i'm not yes. sure if like you know one one viewing you get all of that like i think probably because you've watched it like several thousand you need to times. see it eight times in theaters and then you really pick up on all those little details yeah I, I i did pick up on the um how when when the phantom is leading christine down the passageway and the the arms holding the can, like the candelabras um yeah. and it looks all magical and like darkly mysterious and everything but when meg um like a few scenes later tries to follow her Yes. It's just that that same hallway is just portrayed as like filthy and disgusting and filled with rats. Right. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that disparity was like surprisingly super subtle, but ineffective for Joel Schumacher to do. <laughs> yes. like, yeah, that's true. Like, liter- like literally highlighting the the phantoms, like the power of his voice and like the, the darkly charismatic, like magnetic yes. hold that he has over these mm-hmm. people. I do think maybe it's like too subtle, though. Like, I, I don't know, like Schumacher is not good at subtle. So mm-hmm. like. I think if it was even more like obviously filthy and disgusting and gross, like even later when we see Eric's lair and, you know, like uh, the mystique has worn off for her, like it still looks pretty cool still. Like, and I get like you want it to look cool, but I also wish like um, something that Wesley Morris says, like the the gothic element is kind of taken out of this film. And I don't know about the play. I mean, kind of the only gothic elements I can think of is like when they're on like the roof. And then, of course, like, you know, the actual graveyard. Uh, <laughs> the opera that the Phantom writes is pretty hot topic goth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, it's a different kind of goth, right? Yeah, which is which is very appropriate for the era that this movie came out in. Oh too. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess the very premise itself is very gothic, but it becomes bombastic and campy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in this in this telling, mm-hmm. the camp the campiness is really what sells me on this movie i live for mm. the campiness of this movie <laughs> yeah no I, I i love it it's yeah same it definitely it definitely works and the, the tone is consistent throughout mm-hmm. yeah no i mean obviously we all know probably everybody listening knows that like that's what schumacher does well he does the campy well um and a lot of people think that detracts from his films but they're stupid and wrong so <laughs> We you heard it we here. are eventually gonna have to do Batman Forever and Batman yeah. and Robin. Yeah, um, we will. Yeah. And speaking of that, there there is that tie-in. I know you had noticed noted this, Lewis, but I had seen it too. The um, 
like the like the atlas figures holding up the um like the box the box seats of the yes. opera were very similar to the the gotham city his whole gotham city aesthetic yeah. like in 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 his gotham city there are these giant like statues holding up highways and shit mm-hmm. yeah a lot of statues in gotham city a lot of statues in this movie um like i said on top of the opera house itself there's a ton of statues like horses right. um and like angels and then um of course when we get to the graveyard scene there's a bunch of statues and then even in like the opera house itself like there's all like the nude Tons statues, of naked statues. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well and then uh the the one film reference that i know is the the arms with the candelabras that's like the beauty and the beast Yes. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Were those? I was watching it really late last night. Were those actually moving, like actual people's yes. arms? I think so. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. yeah. That's oh, so good. That's <laughs> so good. Yeah. The uh, 1946 um, Jean Cocteau, uh, Beauty and the Beast, the f- French Beauty, black and white French Beauty and the Beast film. That's that's how the Beast's house is lit by actual like moving arm candelabras. And that makes sense for Beast because everything's enchanted. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Eric brings um, Christine to his to his lair. Um, it's pretty cool. He lives in like a like a Dark Souls level. Yeah, he um, does. <laughs> yes, very much a dungeon uh, crawling look. Yeah, yeah. There's like traps and stuff, and he he has a horse that magically appears somehow. When, okay, when he puts her on the horse, walks down the hallway next to the horse, takes her off the horse, and puts her. To, it is the most unnecessary thing. <laughs> and um, what's really funny about that? It's like obvious because he he turns the corner and the horse is right there he puts her on and then it and then it shows him like walking down that same corner and then it cuts to something else and then it cuts back and they're turning around another corner but it's obviously the exact same corner <laughs> <laughs> it's like um in star wars a new hope when they have the shootout in the opening ship like they keep running around oh, that same yeah, corner with the stormtroopers yeah. it's yeah. like we, we know what you're doing but it, i don't know yeah but, <laughs> I did that in a in a short film of mine once. I had my friend um, just walk like literally the same part of a hallway like three times, but it was also thematic for us. So, uh, <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> um, I also like I also like Eric's little gondola that he has. Yes, yeah. um, the the boat. Yeah, the gondola is essential. <laughs> yeah. And the There's the no... the song is just they. I'm really glad that they kept the synthesizers and the like weird like electric guitar solos. Like it super works for me. That's yes. I really enjoyed that choice. I I love like Jesus Christ Superstar. So I'm I'm all up in the the Andrew Lloyd Webber <laughs> thing like that. When when the synth hit and like um they're both like screaming at each other and yes. he's like rowing down like, the this underground hellish lake. It was it was good. Yeah, mm-hmm. incredible. But then, but then, <laughs> it led to one of the bigger like holes, which he takes her down. He sings music of the night, whatever. It's weird. Um, she sees like herself in a wedding dress and passes out, and then like apparently wakes up like three weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> like the time range of what happens there is very odd to me. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think we're supposed to infer that um, maybe he delivered her to her home or something. I. I don't know. I don't know if like, she stayed underground all that time. That's yeah. It's always been confusing to me because it cuts to the the two opera owners and they're like, "Our star mm. disappeared," and I'm like, "For a night or what time?" Like, <laughs> right? What, what happened when? here, guys? <laughs> but yeah, that the whole notes section it it was that was that was confusing to follow. Yeah. Um, it's because it's the two opera owners. It's Patrick Wilson. It's Carlotta. 
it's some other extras that just talk about like notes that they've been seeing and it's people singing over each other and, and singing alongside each other and it's um i mean like i, I get the broad strokes but it, w- it was just really really cluttered yeah 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 i think this film like is not good at doing like ellipses um and it's it's a problem because they do a lot of there's a lot that happens or that would happen in those ellipses like her being gone for three weeks like we just go from the underground lair to this scene where people are talking about letters they got from the phantom um and you know three weeks later that's a pretty big ellipses a pretty big jump um Mm -hmm. and really important like plot point uh i don't know and then later like when the ellipses when um Emmy Rossman and Patrick Wilson like when they get together um the problem is just like all the ellipses are done when there's like supposed to be a lot of relationship work that happens yeah and it's like I don't know shouldn't this be about the relationships and unfortunately like all their relationships kind of suck in this movie (laughs) if the songs I think are supposed to like suffice it for the relationships like each song um which which is like a musical stage thing True. like where yeah yeah like, th- these aren't people so much as they are like abstract forces that kind of love each other <laughs> just yeah i guess like i just i don't think it translates all that well into mm. this film like i think you can you know uh, there's a ton of musicals and obviously uh, films that is and like yeah they do a lot of the relationship work like in song form but i don't know i think just there's something wrong with the structure of this movie yeah. Um, that kind of takes me out of like caring about literally any of them or any of their relationships. And I, and part of it also, so like to talk about what happens in the movie, Phantom takes Christine down to his lair. He sings about how he wants to be a really good teacher and music and music is so important. And then she's just like totally dazed and like wandering around like with just like wide eyes and not really taking anything in sees herself in a wedding dress passes out then she wakes up at some future time um goes over pulls his mask off just like immediately and then all of a sudden he's like screw you (laughs) like really upset really fast so she's really gone from she's just done her first aria in an opera house all of a sudden her weird ghost teacher takes her on a horse and in a gondola ride she passes out then wakes up and now he's terrible all of a sudden so like as far as christine is a character she just like things happen to her she does not make a lot of choices until like the very end of the movie uh but yeah she like yeah. takes his mask off sees that he's like deformed or whatever she really doesn't even freak out that much he freaks out mostly yeah. and then he just like pushes her back which is a good I, I like that. I like yes. that his, yeah, Gerard Butler is way too hot to be like a corpse like he should, like Eric should be. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah. But I, I do like that in this melodramatic aspect of the Phantom, his ugliness is more perceived than it is actually real. And he's he's more yes. insecure and ashamed of it than, than if, if he had been normal or tried to be, not even normal, if he had tried to just like appreciate Christine as a person, um, right. she would have been really receptive to that. Yeah. yeah. So that is the uh, the moral of the story to the fellas out there, and I guess to the ladies <laughs> as well. Uh, this is our Valentine's yeah. Day moral: like, just appreciate each other and the gender nonconforming uh, audience members. Yeah, yeah, just appreciate it. Just appreciate yeah. it, folks. F O L X. That's how we'll your, spell folks. Your scars are bigger in your own mind than they ever are in reality. 
Aw, that's very sweet, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you're just Gerard Butler with like a bad sunburn on one side of his face. <laughs> really, you're probably fine. <laughs> I, I will say regarding his scar, I, I was afraid they weren't going to make it as um, monstrous as it did. It, it looks it looks more gnarly than I was afraid it was going to be. Right. Like mm-hmm. I thought it would have been just like this aesthetic little Scar oh yeah, yeah. That makes him look better if anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, he, the thing that is weird is like later in the movie when she pulls his mask off, his hair changes color. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was so really bothered me. <laughs> well, maybe maybe that is like de like deglamorizing the mask, similar to the hallway thing. Oh. Like maybe because like when he's when he's singing, he has like that gorgeous like dark slicked back right. hair. But when he's unmasked, it, it, it's like the shitty mop. Yeah, it's, it's kind of thinner. <laughs> it's it's more of like a um, like an auburn. Um, it's not terrible looking, but it's definitely no, not like the just, cool, you know, jet black slicked back hair that maybe yeah. he perceives. Oh, I, interesting. I love the idea that Phantom mm. uses his magic powers to give himself a really good slicked back <laughs> hair. <do. laughs> yeah, yes. he just casts a glamour spell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. But he ha- but he's a he's a bard. He has to constantly be, be singing to make the magic work. I like it. That's our D and D version of the Phantom of the Opera. All right. Epic level bard. <laughs> um. So what else happens after this? I mean, I guess there's a lot, but like not too much that happens. Just like a lot of singing. Mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. That's my review of this. Too Just much. Too singing, much singing. Folks. <laughs> too much singing in the opera movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So. This this leads up to my least favorite part of the film, which so like Christine goes back, the opera the fan of the opera puts her back. He says she should be the star in the next play that they do, the next opera, but they give the role to Carlotta, so then the Phantom sabotages the opera so Carlotta can't sing and uh literally kills the Pirates of the Caribbean dude, like yeah. in front of everybody on the stage. Yeah. Uh and so then Christine, everybody's panicking. She freaks. She runs out. She finds Raul. They run onto the roof of the opera house. But so again, at this point, she like remembers him as a childhood friend. He's shown up to take her out to dinner. The next time she sees him, she's like, oh, man, I got kidnapped by this opera ghost. It was terrible. And he's like, chill out. (laughs) You're fine. The opera ghost doesn't exist. Yeah, that was the best. (laughs) It's not real. The opera ghost isn't real. I don't know where you were for three weeks, but uh, you weren't with an opera ghost. Definitely. (laughs) He this does was, more gaslighting than the chandelier does. He was oh. so gaslighting. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> and that's this yeah. was when even high school Katie. I'm like, I, I know murderous guy is obviously a murderer, but this <laughs> guy sucks. <laughs> he is not listening to you. And then he just sings about. And then they have this whole long, super boring song, where they're just supposed mm. to be in love, and you're just supposed to ship it. Uh, but that just did not work for me however i say this i don't speak for everyone my high school best friend libby was like in love with raul she didn't understand the phantom hype which i thought was insane and we would fight about it constantly (laughs) so we'd like watch the movie for like the 12th time at a sleepover and she'd be like oh raul's so cute and i'm like look at what he's doing here this is terrible i do i do think raul he he kind of is He's kind of dashing, like when he's he's just wearing like the billowy shirt and he has a sword and everything, and, and when he's doing the sword fight, like I, he's okay, but like he 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 doesn't compare to like Eric. I mean, come on, yeah. No, and the the idea that I I can almost buy the idea that like okay, I've just been kidnapped by a weird dude who just yelled at me and then murdered somebody on stage, and then Raul's mm-hmm. just like, I'll take care of you, like everything's fine, I'm nice. 
we can just pretend right. that doesn't exist. I guess I can see that being appealing, but I just it's uh, yeah, Team Phantom, even though he's a murderer, terrible, manipulative person. <laughs> the romance really is a little rough. There's really no good person to root for in this. Yeah. Um, it has been a while since I read the book, but I I think because of its serialized nature, this stuff was allowed to breathe more. Yeah. Um, mm. More more time was allowed to be described, like between Christine's first visit with the Phantom, then when when the when the stagehands like start dying like <laughs> stuff can happen in the intervening time including um getting to know getting getting to re-know uh role more right. and more so like maybe I, I i think to the best of my memory there there is more to it than just like juxtaposition so like by by dint of that role looks better mm, yeah yep so i'm justified those ellipses are all bad cool gotcha <laughs> Having the phantom hiding behind a horse statue and just like crying while they're having yes. their love song just really spoke to really emotional high school Katie. I thought that was very tragic and beautiful. Yeah, in the in the falling snow. That was like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, ripping Lewis's a rose apart. <laughs> it's a cool set. Like, and I I was yeah. reading that that um, like the skyline around it was all matte paintings actually. Really? So, yeah. I don't think there That's was, really cool. I mean, there's probably a decent amount of CGI, but not as significant as you might think. Um, and even like the set of the opera house, like the exterior, um, in the square, um, like a lot of that is an actual set with some CGI. And then some of it's actually like, uh, I think a miniature, there's a lot of, I did see the miniatures yeah, as well. Yeah. Like not and that, the part with the um chandelier, I think that was all done in miniature as well. Yeah, when the, it crashes. So they've do, they do it's, a lot of a, cool practical so. effects and tricks really cool. in this movie um that it might not be like too obvious. Like it might not, a lot of people might not pick up on it cuz like by this point, you know, everybody's using CGI. So you can kind of just expect like, oh, this is probably all CGI, but um I think they used um enough of the practical effects. So Kudos to Schumacher and whoever was a cinematographer on this thing. In the play, they actually drop, I mean, they drop the chandelier on the audience, right? So that's a tough thing. I mean, you know, not killing the audience, but they actually drop a chandelier. <laughs> so that's, I imagine, was pretty important for them to, to really get right. They've yeah. got to nail that. And Andrew Lloyd Webber's fanatics are really devoted and they all want to <laughs> die as, as, as openings. <laughs> yeah, you go you go to the of the opera to die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also noteworthy is choreography, um, yes. specifically with the masquerade scene, which comes yes. up next. Very, very tightly composed, and everyone's like snapping their fans and doing their masks and looking around and everything. Oh, and the one um, guy's just like straight up voguing. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. the real hero of the, the movie. <laughs> All the other extras, they like stand aside and like they frame yeah. him yeah. with their arms. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Eric's. Mask of the Red Death outfit is really dope here. Yes. Um, I love it. Lewis wanted him to have a bigger hat. Yeah, it's just like, it's simple. I do like it, but like, I do love the original version from both. Well, I assume it's from the book as well, but like from both, you know, versions like the silent film and then um, the 43 version, like, yeah, they really play up the Mask of the Red Death costume. Um, well, I see, there's a note in here, but I do like that while they're showing the fancy masquerade, which has excellent dancing, super cool costumes. I like that they did it in black and white. They also show like the stagehands stealing the booze and like having their own like lower yeah. class party at the same time. I always enjoyed that as well. Yeah. 
yeah, there's a little bit, little bit of class, class consciousness there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a hint of it yeah, they, that's just yeah. <laughs> sprinkled throughout. Yeah. Um, also cool in this scene when when the Phantom does make his entrance and um, he he tries to tries to capture Christine away again. Um, Raul jumps in. He he. He runs away. He runs away I, I at the worst would, possible I, time. Like, useless, Raul. Absolutely useless. I thought he was just running away. I'm going to dip. See you later. <laughs> but in, in fairness, he gets a sword. He runs away to get a sword. Um, but when he goes to challenge the Phantom, he's dropped into a trap door into this mirror room. Yeah. And it spins around yes. him. And that is reference to the book. Um, huh. the, the Phantom has a torture chamber beneath beneath the opera house gotcha um it's a big mirror room and there's a fake metal tree with a noose in there and the idea is he heats it up like slowly but it becomes unbearable and eventually you die of heat exhaustion but the like the fandom offers you his mercy which is you can hang yourself if you want to instead oh gotcha that's pretty cool so that uh, yeah that's very very gothic very edgar and poe yeah it's just like a lot of moving parts too so that would be tough like for this scene and probably also yeah. it would be tough like also if you're trying to make adaptation. people horny for the phantom <laughs> yes yeah yes yeah it's um, probably it, it's a little too scary for your your love triangle romance plot. yeah 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 that, and i mean in in the original book eric is definitely in love with christine um but that that's almost just like one part of his tragedy like the there, there's that idea that like he's he was like this monstrous child and he was he was abused and hated for it. Yeah. But he he also like travels to Turkey and learns how to like assess become like a master assassin and a master architect and a master <laughs> trap maker and torturer. Amazing. To the Sultan of Turkey, um, and and that character that I mentioned earlier, the Persian, is the one person who knows that bit about his past. Oh. Um, and I think part of the Persian, um, goes into a little bit of Madame Jiri. Um, yes. she, she is, she is a character in the book, but I don't think she, to the best of my memory anyway, she doesn't know as much about Eric's past as the, the Persian does in the book. I, I think she's, she's kind of a composite. Yeah. Because in, we get a flashback when we get the flashback about, um, Eric's childhood, it's told by Madame Jury in the film, I assume probably in the musical as well. Um, and she's like, yeah, I was at the opera house. Was she like a, a, a ballet dancer? Is that what she was learning to do, yeah. ballet? Yeah. Um, and then she went to a sideshow, and there was the devil's child. Um, it was just a you know kind of a feral child who had a, a, a hood on, like a burlap sack on his head, like a Greer rat from Dark Souls. Yes, State. very Greer rat. <laughs> um, and then uh, he's kind of being abused by like the ringmaster guy. Uh, he kills the ringmaster, and then she hides him in, in the bowels of the opera house. Which, again, is a little bit of just the specific movie lore that he somehow, like, learned how to build, like, torture chambers and devices and how to write yep. an opera and all of this stuff just from osmosis from living in an opera house yeah. is incredible. Like, yeah. he's just, like, the, the campiest, like, <laughs> murderer genius. <laughs> And um, and again, like from the books, it is no less ridiculous, but it, it still has kind of slightly more justification because, right. like, if he he was tutored by the best and most devious, like the 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 devious minds of the Orient, kind of thing. Like that's that's very pulpy. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. And and but it, at least he has like this Batman training, like origin kind of to him. 
Well, they couldn't put a Persian in this movie because then Jared Butler would have to fight him. Whoa. 300 reference. Oh, my God. I mean, 300 is this after this. This is but Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he could kick him down the hole. Yes. Oh, that would be so good. <laughs> oh, man. That would be, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, um, actually, so we... When we when you just described the flashback scene, that is what happens right after the Mask of the Red yeah. Death masquerade. So, and that and that's when kind of um, this is the cemetery scene after that. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's a key detail we left out of the masquerade scene. It's that the Phantom wrote a Don Juan opera and right. he delivers yeah. it during the the masquerade scene. He's like, "Yo, you got to do this, or I'm gonna kill you all." Don Juan Triumphant, I believe is the name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then we, Christine inexplicably sneaks away to yeah. pray at her, her father's <laughs> grave. Yeah. And like, it's supposed to be like symbolic of like she had put a lot of her feelings for her dead father into the the, muse, the opera ghost. And so mm-hmm. this is supposed to be her like symbolically shedding that with a song. Um, right. But then the phantom's like there. He like somehow like has some secret passage that hooks up into her father's literal tomb, or it's yeah. just again hypnotism. It's fine. But uh, and then there's a big sword fight in the graveyard because Raoul yeah. follows her, and the phantom has a sword fight with him. Which I appreciate that he loses because he only knows stage sword fighting because all yeah. he knows is from the opera. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I also like that his sword, the guard on his sword, was a little skull. Yes, yeah. that was really cool. That's, that's awesome. God, like, yes. <laughs> I just imagine him like, I don't know, like ten years ago, just like carefully putting this little thing on his sword, and like he's like, it's gonna look so cool, this and like I'm gonna so be the dark phantom. <laughs> Raoul like jumps in his like shirt onto a white horse and like rides there, uh, and like Christine's outfit changes like four times from her like getting up out of bed to like go to the the graveyard. To all of a sudden she's in this like yes. super low cut like black morning dress out of nowhere. It's just a lot happens there. <laughs> yeah. And as we were mentioning earlier too, that this set is is very cool. Um, yes. Like they, it, it's huge. Like I'm surprised. Like it's it's this extra. It's a it's as extravagant as it is. Uh, yeah, it's a cool set, and it reminds me of a set of another movie, which will tie into my Galaxy Brain take about this film. Um, nice. It reminds me of the um, Ghost of Christmas Future set in the yeah. Muppets Christmas Carol film. Hell yes. Uh, and like throughout this whole movie, so this is my take on the 2004 Phantom of the Opera, that this movie would be better if it was a Muppets musical. Like it just has that quality about it. Yes, it's just it like <laughs> the set is very Muppets. Like the way everybody acts is very Muppets. Of course, like it's a musical as well. But like you could just replace some of the characters with Muppets, and like mm-hmm. it would be amazing. All of the everything in like the Phantom's weird little like lair could have like be alive little Muppet things that could like talk to him or whatever. Yes, it would be so cute. yeah. Like the like the helping hands in Labyrinth. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and we have some other candidates here. Uh, my contribution was uh, Miss Piggy could be Carlotta. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Is, it's obvious. Uh, and I would like to, in like Grover and Rizzo, the rat could do um, what they do in Treasure Island. Like, no, no. Yes. Uh, they could do, they could, well, they could do that. But I would also um, in 
Christmas Carol, uh, Grover literally plays Charles Dickens, so he uh, could play like oh, it's Gonzo. I guess actually, I'm not Grover, but Gonzo. Yeah. Wow, they're Grover. Yeah, you did. It's fine. They're both blue. It's and they have weird they're voices. They're blue in their puppets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Gon- Gonzo could play Gaston Moreau. Yes. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be amazing. Gonzo Moreau. <laughs> Gonzo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like um the two opera owners like Andre and Furman, like they'd just obviously be Stantler and Waldorf. Like when they were in their they when already in their are. Box, yeah, they look like it like when they're in their theater box, they already look like they're Stantler and Waldorf. They're absurd looking characters. And what would be really funny is like every time someone comes on stage, they, they heckle them obviously <laughs> and they do their oh <laughs> but um but when Christine comes and sings they're crying and they think it's beautiful, but they're like overly crying. And they would just they should still have Amy Rossum. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Everyone yes. else Muppets, but Yeah. <laughs> and even I think it would like soften the blow of like Gerard Butler's terrible singing too. Cause like if it's so goofy and wacky, then it's like, yeah, of course we got this guy who can't fucking sing and growls through it. Like there's fucking Muppets on stage. <laughs> it would be really funny to see him like singing. With, like, and, and being heckled by Stella and Walter. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just like this, this would also be perfect for like some of like the bigger Muppets, like the, the people in costume Muppets, like Sweetums, mm-hmm. who looks like an ogre, that guy. Um, mm-hmm. Like he would obviously be uh, Bouquet, you know, the um, the guy who's played by the Pirates of the Caribbean guy, the, the stagehand guy who gets killed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, but when he gets killed, he just gets like a boo boo. He gets like his head, like he has a, he has yeah. a huge bandage yeah. on his head. He obviously can't die. We don't want to. He go. He has to go home. Yeah, we don't want to <laughs> hang Sweetums. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I guess. Uh, what happens next? Um, Patrick Wilson comes up with a, a master plan to capture the Phantom. Oh, Jesus. And his master plan is to just call a shit ton of cops. Yeah. <laughs> call the yeah. cops. Yeah, he's yeah. a fucking bootlicker. And like Christine's like, I am not comfortable with this. I do not want to do this. And he's like, No, no, cool, it's fine. I called a bunch of cops. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, But it's all on you, babe. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, but that I will. The Phantoms, um, Don Juan triumphant uh, opera was like absolutely my favorite part of the whole movie. It was so goth. It was ridiculous. They have like these serious singing moments that will cut into the goofiest backup dancers that you've ever seen like all these weird goofy black clad backup dancers um but yeah the phantom's plan was that he was going to kill the guy who plays don juan halfway through take his place in the musical which goes off like without a hitch which it really shouldn't have um but yeah he like steps on stage and then they start singing and it's like not clear if they're singing in character or if it's the musical or if they're just singing to each other and it looks like Christine's like super into it. But yeah, he kidnaps her again, like right on stage in front of everybody. In really dramatic fashion too. He, he grabs her and leaps into hell with her and just falls down into the, into the the fiery pit. Yeah. And yeah, sets the whole theater on fire. It's incredible. Right. And that's when the, um, that's when the chandelier crashes and yeah almost kills um or maybe even does kill some members of the audience i don't know um yeah i, th- I think audience members are supposed to die because yeah. it, it that's one of eric's like monstrous actions right. he, he doesn't care he's a he's obsessed with his own his own stuff it seems like it would um, kill the band too like in the pit like because mm. they, they cut to 
um, the conductor, and he's looking up like, Ugh, and I just assume like he dies. We never see him again anyway. So. The conductor, by the way, though, he's one of my favorite background characters. Like his rea- yeah. his reactions to everything throughout the movie are always delightful. He's yeah. one of my favorites. He has he has a great face for yeah. that. He looks but, like but a fucking he- Muppet. I was gonna say he would he would be rough. Yeah, he would be. Yeah, yeah. Or Ralph would be at least one of the the band members. Um, there's right. like one specific Muppet I'm thinking of. He kind of looks more humanish, but he's blue skinned and he kind of has like a long nose and he has like a little like kind of French mustache thing going on. He's in a lot of the um, in the original Muppet Show. Right. They used to do like these um, these like dance sequences where like everybody would be doing like ballroom dancing and they would just all like say weird jokes. Um, and like he's always in there, and I, I okay. he just he reminded me of that guy a lot. Okay, my deep Muppets knowledge. I don't I don't know if I've uh, unleashed it on uh, on this podcast yet. Uh, yeah, we've never really had a chance to. We've never really there there are no real like Muppet movies that we could do for all the show. All Muppet movies are too good for this. Yeah. Well, people didn't really like Muppets in space or whatever. Muppets, the alien sounds one. Sounds amazing. The, that sounds the one amazing. Where the Gonzo one, like the, the Gonzo, Gonzo one. Yeah, origin true. story one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, where Gonzo's basically an alien. Came out in like the late '90s, early 2000s. I, I don't think that one was well received. Yeah, so maybe we could do that one. That would. <laughs> but it's it's good that we can shoehorn the references in here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what I live for. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh God, what else happens? Um, well, we actually see the Phantom's face. This is she rips off his mask like oh, while they're that's on stage. Right. Right. Okay, that's right. right. So yeah. She's playing it like she's in love with him and she's just going to run away with him. And then she right. pulls the mask off like, screw you, Phantom. <laughs> yeah. Everybody sees you're the monster, which, like, again, they should have seen before. Like, I was always very confused as to why nobody was doing anything about this. Um, but, yeah, she rips off his mask. They dive down into hell. Um, and then this leads also into the absolute, like, apotheosis of Raul's uselessness, yeah. which <laughs> is when Raul is supposed to follow and rescue her. And Madame Jury is like, keep your hand at the level of your eyes, uh, which they don't really explain very well in the movie. But, like, it's no. supposed to protect him from all of the, the phantoms, like, traps and nooses and stuff like that. It's it's specifically his noose. I think that's from the book because, okay. like, Eric's favorite weapon is the noose. And if you keep your hand close to your eyes you, your neck can't get can't get encircled by the rope right, right. and yeah, yeah. if you if you watch he does it for like five seconds and then he falls <laughs> into a trap yeah. and then he never does it again yeah. like he's like yeah i handed the level of my eyes oh whoops like nothing <laughs> yeah he falls into the water trap there that was great that is a cool trap yeah, a cool it was trap. really it was really creepy yeah. um like like there's this like 10 foot deep pit of water and then the a great comes down and pushes him beneath the water so he can't breathe but but he lives unfortunately luckily the secret switch is right there yeah Yeah. and so this whole part like basically from the point of well the point of no return hey hey, (laughs) uh, it's just one long song um which i just want to point out that uh me and my high school friends had memorized the entire finale <laughs> yes. um and i was always the phantom because i could not sing but Amazing. like gerard butler oh, i yes. can growl yeah <laughs> and uh, my friend you. amanda would be raul <laughs> and her little sister would be christine and we would sing the entirety of the <laughs> up till the end of the film just like on cue which is like pathetic but clearly i'm still proud about it <laughs> no that's 
amazing. That's that's really great. <laughs> yeah. Wish, so when Raul was like, Raul's like, I fought so hard to free you. We're like, did you though? You kept your hand at the level of your eyes for three seconds, and then you like failed immediately. How hard did you really fight, Raul? And Eric mocks him for it after he he he, yeah. he knocks him out and like he he ties him up to the get, to the to the thing. He's like, yeah, keep your keep your hand at the level of your eyes. Yes. <laughs> He's <just> an idiot. <laughs> yeah, he just gets tied to the thing immediately. And then Christine yeah. has to make the choice, which I will say Christine in the finale is pretty badass because she's like, yeah. she's like, I don't care about your face. You're the one who's being weird about the face. You just yeah. murdered a ton of people. That's why I'm not in love with you, you idiot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Raul shows up and the Phantom's big galaxy brain plan is <laughs> either he kills Raul or she lives with him forever. Um, or I don't know what, like, the other thing was. Was that he... Oh, yeah. Either way, she has to live with him forever. Like, he's either going to, like, kill kill Raul and then let her go, or um, she can uh, uh, choose to spend the rest of her life with him, and then he would let Raul free. Um, and big finale, Christine decides to teach the Phantom that he can be loved... And she kisses him in like a really long sort of make out scene, which was super which, great for young Kate. Underage Emily Emmy Rossum, yay. <laughs> yeah, underage Emmy Rossum teaches thirty yeah. four year old Gerard Butler about love. Um and then the Phantom realizes that he's wrong. This beautiful woman kissed him, he learns the error of his ways, he lets Raul go. Then it cuts for some reason to him playing with his monkey toy again. Yeah. <laughs> Just like immediately cuts to him, just like crying and looking at this toy monkey, and then yep. Christine comes, gives him her engagement ring that she and Raoul had, which is odd, and then runs away with Raoul. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, he doesn't die. I really thought like he died. I don't know. Like I don't know what versions of like the Phantom of the Opera I've seen. Of course, I've seen Phantom of the Paradise, but I feel like I've seen another one where like he also dies. I don't know. But I was like, what? He just in, lives? That's it? This is weird. In in the original story, he dies um, okay. ba- basically of heartbreak. Like he, He's like, once once I finish Don Juan Triumphant, um, I don't want to live anymore. Gotcha. Um, but instead of dying of despair after that, like he he's able to die of heartbreak because he had that one perfect kiss with Christine. And like <laughs> it, it, it somewhat makes his death better. I don't know. It's... French gothic bullshit, gotcha. but uh, it's yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, then we that, that's it. Like we we snap back to the modern day and we see Raul place the monkey on Christine's grave. Yep. Um, but then we also see a rose with a black ribbon tied around it with the uh, which, with the engagement ring tied yep. as well. Yep. Yeah. So the yep. phantom Meaning was there. Phantoms, so, because he he in the intervening years he had been doing adventures like with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or something. (laughs) (laughs) He uses his opera powers for good. (laughs) Yeah, he's got a skate artist. He's an assassin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Magician, all that that stuff. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's Phantom Phantom of the Opera. Opera. Mm -hmm. It's good, folks. It's good. Joe Schumacher's good. Um, Mm -hmm. Everybody involved is good. Even Gerard Butler, like, you know, he's good when he's not singing, so. He looks he looks yeah. good. Like his outfits are awesome. Like fifteen-year-old Nick would have loved this shit. Thirty-year-old Nick loves this shit. Thirty-year-old Nick <laughs> does love this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, we do have some workers of note we want to mention here. Um, 
Yeah. So um, I really appreciated the title design. So when the title of the Phantom of the Opera comes up, um, it is in cursive and it's like below a lit candle and the candle itself is like illuminating the script um and it's like just on an inky black background it's it's like a really cool design um and like i got a picture i got a picture of good. it last night, so awesome can post we'll that, put that in the yeah. show notes yeah it's just it's just dope um and i think it's like literally the first thing you see too like it's mm-hmm. just there like here's the title we're getting into the fucking action folks um yep. So we have uh, Justin Blamp, Justin Blampede. Uh, sorry, guy. Sorry, Justin. You did great. Uh, you did great. Yeah, good job, dude. Uh, Simon Cassell, Tony Meister, and Orlando Delbert. Sorry, Orlando. Um, they're all title designers. Uh, special shout out to Orlando Delbert because he is uncredited, and he yeah. also has an amazing name. Yeah. Um. A big group here that we do want to mention too are the sculptors um to, to list i mean we, we run into this problem with the bigger budget movies that we do but to list like all the set people or all anybody of one department would be like impossible just to do in the time that we have um but the sculptors are definitely noticeable um particularly for the 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 nude bodies within the opera holding up the holding up everything and like the the elephant that they use for the the, the beginning yeah. practice scene um, but we have Martin Smeaton, the head sculptor, uh, Mark Stowe, Catherine Prince, Bruce Gordon, Emma Hansen, Jonathan Moore, Amelia Rowcroft, all sculptors, uh, James Anthony, assistant sculptor, and uh, Joe Budden, Dick Budden, and Francis Poirier um, are all sculptors or sculptors assistants who are uncredited. So special, uh, special mention of them. Yeah, so like I was saying, um, the statue is very reminiscent of uh, Schumacher's Batman films. Um, mm. Check it out, folks. Even if you just like Google uh, Schumacher Batman Gotham, like you'll see a bunch yeah. of uh, statues that, like Nick said, hold up the highway. Um, there's just like random statues throughout. Um, you know, um, I guess the thing that this film doesn't have is kind of like the. Uh, the the neon aesthetic but um this has its own uh period appropriate uh candlelit uh mm-hmm. aesthetic um oh and i guess this kind of just ties perfectly into our broke recommendation which is uh if you are yeah. fans of schumacher's batman uh this film has the same energy so uh yes. justice for joel um justice. it's uh don don of justice for joel <laughs> <laughs> you know i i watched those films more recently um are they perfect no uh but (laughs) the the aesthetic is um very appropriately 90s and appropriately campy um it's uh obviously uh you know schumacher's uh, strong suit so uh yeah watch it if you like that kind of stuff i guess for my woke recommendation would be um angsty high school boys who have a dark gothic romantic streak but pretend not to to be badass um because that was me and i would have loved this movie if i had seen it when i was when i was a freshman when it came out um but yeah it really like there i i read the the book and i i appreciated the book um when i did but like this movie is even more sympathetic to like that angsty insecure high school um teenage boy energy um so i I really would have like gotten a lot of mileage out of this (laughs) 
I am getting a lot of mileage out of this. <laughs> Don't lie to us. <laughs> Don't lie to yourself. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. Uh, and I'll say the the bespoke recommendation would be basically just like literally any 14-year-old girl <laughs> um, can probably get something out of this movie. Uh, I With the caveat of maybe give her some um, uh, discussion on <laughs> uh, what? The difference between a boy being obsessed with you in an unhealthy way and maybe a healthy relationship going in because uh, uh, I think as much as I love this movie and as much as I was an Eric Stan, uh, I I think that there's some lessons in there about the difference between obsession and love that really, really should go in Um, and really just. You know, Christine, single Christine, should have just gone out there and done her own thing. Yeah, <laughs> yep. she's clearly more talented than both of them. So <laughs> it's it's very reminiscent of uh, Mina Harker from Dracula, because you have this dark figure who's obsessed with you, and then the normal Muggle guy who's like seems better by right, comparison. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and 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 the female the female like figure of obsession for both of them is like more interesting and more compelling than like <laughs> as a person than he is. So yeah. Yeah. Heavy, heavy Dracula energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that is uh, Phantom of the Opera 2004. Um, should we say it's the best version of Phantom of the Opera? <laughs> I don't know. Yes, <laughs> okay. Yeah, fine. Yes, yes it is. Uh, Lon Chaney, who's that? Who's that schlub? What? Uh, <laughs> I will say the book, people, if, if you're looking for a good riveting period piece to read um the book i think i mean to the best of my recollection it holds up it's very like it's very it's a very fun read um not too long even though it was serialized but uh yeah just pick that up if you're if you're looking for a crackling tale yeah i don't know read books as well i guess we don't recommend (laughs) books I, I and if you want to do what um, high school Katie did and watch other movies that have the stars in them for yes. some reason, yes. uh, definitely the best one to watch is Songcatcher, uh, which is just an incredible film with a young Emmy Rossum. Um, just just a lot of wild stuff happens, but uh, I highly recommend. Yeah, it's actually it's actually pretty good. Like, I mean, it has. Um has a lot of just like big 90s liberal energy yes um, <laughs> but like for oh, a film yeah. that's um about like uh appalachian folk songs like it's pretty cool we don't have a lot of films like fiction films that is about that so it's cool it's got it's got panther cats it's got <laughs> um uh lesbian school teachers yeah. it has a very long childbirth scene it's just got all sorts of crazy stuff in it <laughs> This sounds wild. Yeah, this is a wild movie. It's worth checking out. <laughs> yeah, so we got some good recommendations here on this end of this episode, too. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, Katie, very much for being on this episode um, and for introducing me to this missing piece of my childhood. <laughs> See, yeah, I wish you would have seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Katie, for finally making me watch this. Um, I don't know why I put it off for so long, um, but it is good. For the show. And yeah, I had to put it off for the show, of course, right? I mean, I knew, you know, uh, six years ago when I met you that I would make a podcast. I, I had to watch it for that and not any time prior. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, you're welcome. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Pulp Month continues apace. We'll um, see you next week with our with our next serialized installment. What could it be? Ooh. <laughs>
yeah, I will say, we'll give you a little hint. Um, it is more of an action adventure. Um, so I think... Oh boy, is it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, our our month kind of um, has somewhat of a pattern to it. Like, the first one and the third one are similar, and then the second and the fourth one are similar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Cool. So whatever that means to you all... <laughs> Look forward to it. <laughs> See you next time, folks. Bye, folks. Bye. Strong!